and welcome to So What You're Saying Is. I'm Peter Whittle. Now, uh, before we meet my guests this week, uh, please do subscribe, won't you? We're on about 109,000 subscribers now and nearly 12 million views. Fantastic. But we need it to keep going. So uh, please do, won't you? It's very, very simple. You just press subscribe on the channel. And then next door to that, there is a button saying notifications. And if you press that, that means that you get notified of every program uh, as it goes out. So uh, do do that, won't you? Uh, now, my guest this week has been on the show a number of times before. Uh, each time he's been on, it's just he's just done something. Um, and he's done something again uh, this week. Lawrence Fox, uh, the actor and songwriter and indeed leader of the recently formed Reclaim Party. But Lawrence, you've just announced, haven't you, that you're standing for the mayoralty of London. I have. And uh, what was the immediate reaction to that when you made the announcement? Um, well, thank you for having me on again, Peter. Um, the immediate reaction was, I was surprised actually, it was big. There was a huge amount of um, exposure to it. And um, they're only just starting the attack today. So they've waited until Thursday, but we had Harry and Meghan in the middle, didn't we? Right. Oh, yes, I was going to ask your thoughts on that, actually. Should we get that out of the way? What, 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 what did you think when you were watching that? I just thought, why have we made victimhood the most important mm. aspect of a personality? Mm. I just thought, why, why are we lionising something that is so cheap everyone can have it? Mm. And you take away victimhood from people who really are victims, mm. and you, you take away courage and aspiration and, and just apply oppression. It's, yeah. um, it's, the, it's the modern disease. So I think, I feel sorry for them actually, because I don't think it's going to end well. I actually looked back at my Question Time appearance mm. and I was like, oh, I called this quite early. Yes, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's awful. It, it's horrible. What, what's so unbelievably um, pervasive about the whole thing is to accuse a member, an unnamed member of the royal family of racism. So, mm. basically, she knew exactly what she was doing. Mm. Or, well, she was the one that raised it, but Harry apparently witnessed it. And it's, you know, that's awful. You, you're, mm. you're smearing everyone with it. Yeah. And it's um, it's utterly wrong as mm. well. So, and when the Queen has got her husband lying sick in hospital, for them to be so, it's just avaricious and I find them repellent. But I feel sorry for them mm. because I think um, that can't be a pleasant life. Well, it sort of has you know, taking everything off the front pages for a week. But the mayoral contest is actually, you know, uh, it's not actually quite officially started. No. Uh, I believe. But you're going to be asked this question. So I hope maybe I'm the first to ask it, but why? You are the first why? to ask it. <laughs> um, well, quite simply, because I looked at the country and then obviously the capital city being the concentrated version of the country, and I've just watched it withering around me the things that so you know there obviously one needs to have a balanced view of history but the the way that there's just this sudden attack on the very things that we are as british people and and it, what a slap in the face that is actually to to the tolerant and welcoming and warm people of this country by this sort of new ideological 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 woke mob yeah. and I just think no we are custodians of this capital city and I need to offer a we need to get back to work as well but we need to offer some hope and some aspirations some perspective and you know obviously I, I didn't really see the reclaim party as being a London-centered party at all but I'm more than happy to uh, preach Britishness in the altar of woke which is what London is mm. in the cathedral of it mm. And, you know, I'm, I think there, there are people that 
still aren't ashamed to be British. There's certainly white working class people who aren't ashamed of what they are and their, you know, imagined privilege that's thrown at them by the media and the, you know, the BBC and a lot of the press. So you're talking, I mean, here, presumably about, for example, Sadiq Khan's so-called uh, Commission for Diversity in the Public Realm. This is the statue thing, uh, which I've come up against him uh, uh, on quite a bit. Mm. Um, but it's quite a tall order, that, isn't it, with London, uh, to basically turn that juggernaut round, would you say? Um, yes, because Sadiq is a, is a massive favourite. So he's an incumbent. What does he have to do? The only thing he can do is lose. He doesn't really have to win, does he? So he's not going to do anything. But the thing about a, a capital city is it shouldn't be built in one man's image or one man's ideology. And that's what Sadiq Khan has done to London. He's made it about him. So, you know, right the way from the Statues Commission to the, um, which is just an appalling thing to do as well. Who, well, who decided that we were able to just move things around? Mm. I've got views on that, actually, in terms of renaming things and removing things absolutely wrong to his ridiculous politically ideologically driven fireworks display mm. it's like well, this was the year that the united kingdom withdrew from the european union yeah. what why are you doing a celebration of the european union yeah. do you hate your own capital city that you're the representative of so much yeah. that your last kick in the face with taxpayer money is to um is to say what a dreadful mistake it was take the politics out of it sadiq yes yeah. uh he appears at the moment at least to be in a pretty unassailable lead, does he not? Um, I mean, what? Not, nothing's unassailable, I suppose, but it's sort of quite, quite a big one. How, how, how will you, what will you be offering? Not, I mean, you've just made that very clear about history, but what actually, if people want to vote for you, what, what can you say this is what I stand for, apart from my history in London? Well, absolutely. My, um, it, it has to be totally aspirational. So first and foremost, we have to get everybody back to work and stop bribing them to stay at home with furlough. That needs to stop. So it's, uh, I will be offering the most common sense solution to get us back to work earlier than Boris is saying. And I'm challenging the government on that one. It's not particularly Sadiq Khan. Mm. And then it's thinking in terms of what we're going to do about the, the other problems that the mayor does have some purview over which is to do with um housing Housing, obviously which needs to be seriously looked at because it's a problem and there are ways of solving housing quite easily i mean the dreaded green belt is going to have to be talked about at some point if you want to have a a nurse and a policeman being able to go to work and live within this capital city and the way that that sort of um you, you know this holding on to land and and the refusal to build and just allowing land to accumulate in value yep. which they you know and it's no accident that the both polit- main political parties main donors are these developers mm. you know so that needs to be it just needs to be simplified mm. and then we have to look at things like the low traffic neighborhoods which are again an, an ideological imposition on people saying you know my i moved just to be a little bit away from my parents um and it used to take 10, 12 minutes to get to my dad. I've now got to drive miles round in a huge, enormous traffic jam. While Sadiq has decided that for the sake of some sort of garden utopia that he's building around cycling, that other, that normal Londoners can't commute. So we need to be nimble on our feet once we get going. But I want to, I want, I, I'm putting together a pretty good set of policies. I'd love to be able to tell you the main one, but it's coming out on Friday. So right, okay. I can't, I can't get in there. But so you are going to have a manifesto. 
Yeah, there's it, there's going to be a manifesto, but it's it's going to be simply over the over the main areas, and then I'm putting I want to put a centerpiece at the beginning of it, that the middle of it, that we will work towards over the period of the mayoralty, which right. is based around celebrating what we are as uh, as a country and as a commonwealth, actually, mm. because I'm I'm fed up of it being knocked. It's the thing is, we, we, this is the point's made endlessly, particularly for example on the statues and heritage issue, as you made point there is that London is capital city. It, things in it have a huge resonance for people around the country. It's not, it's not, there is this, there's been this kind of uh, trend towards seeing it as a city state, you know. Um, I mean, you obviously, presumably, you want it to be thoroughly, organically, you know, Britain's capital again. Yes. Yeah. And we're the custodians of it. Yeah. We're, we're not this wonderful um you know obviously people progress and we we forget you know at the at the behest of these people that talk they call themselves progressives that they're not we are progressive actually mm, mm. things change when they need to change and people move towards change all the time and they're trying to make more tolerant more welcoming more wonderful society but st- tearing things down is, is the rewriting of history and we're the custodians of that yeah, you know yeah. we're, we're not the, we're not in charge in that way we we are we need to be a bit more humble about the way we deal with our capital city and let the people of the capital city define what the capital city is and not one person there is actually a, a real resentment towards london in the country now mm. i mean it was always there was always a sort of slight awareness of london if you look back in literature and, and all the rest of it around the country now it's become this there's this sort of sense in which the narrative of london uh, has been forced people have been told you've got to be like us you know you've got to be and you're all pretty kind of we saw it with brexit didn't we Mm. You know, this sort of idea the country is more backward than London somehow. Well, that's been proved to, I think the Brexiteers are now on parity. They're, not, they're no longer the deplorables. It's now on parity, isn't it? Especially yeah, in the yeah. way the European Union have dealt with the vaccines in yeah. Northern Ireland. One of the other areas that the mayor does have power is the police. Um, now, obviously, <laughs> we're all living in London. You've lived in London for how long? I've lived in London all my life, except for a short marriage time when I was married for seven years, but the rest of it I've been here. Yeah. Actually, I was in Leeds when I was born uh, until I was, I think I was about three or four, and then I was London until I got married, and then I was outside of London. But I always had a house in London. And then, so yeah, I've, I've never not been here. Yeah. Well, we've seen the violence of the past few years and the, the level of violent crime and gang culture. I mean, there's, there seems to be... And I've been on the assembly obviously for five years. Uh, it, there seems to be a kind of paralysis about. I mean, people they can see it happening, but nothing appears to actually change. Well, I think you've also got to get the focus behind what policing is. Mm. So policing is law enforcement, isn't it? It's mm. it's not service. Mm. It, we've had some interesting polling where where we were asking whether people would like the police to prioritise community relations over law enforcement. And within London, there's quite a strong group of people who would prefer community relations but there's no reason you can't have both mm. i think in terms of the police you it's fear it's without fear or favor and it's by consent mm. so the police need to be utterly polit- depoliticized right so we need to get I, I what i would like to see a policeman walking down the road unless it's a religious reason that their their uniform would need to be changed i would like any political statement removed from mm. all police policemen's mm. and women's uniforms gone i don't want rainbow lanyards i don't want dancing around i don't want political gestures from within the police force i want the police to be smart in uniform open and consensual on the street Mm. doing their job and policing streets and not 
tweets and people's thoughts. Mm. You know, you had Harry Miller in the Court of Appeal yesterday over this stuff. It's absolutely wrong. Non-crime yes. instance. You did say something, uh, tweeted something about that. Harry Miller, we had Harry Miller on the show. This is a man who uh, was visited by the police and told that uh, they'd come to check his thinking. This is about something he'd written. What actually, um, Lawrence, what was, he, what was he in court for yesterday? So he was in court. He was in the court of appeal because he wants to overturn that um, college of policing, policing guidance of non-crime hate incidents, mm. which is I can see where it c comes from, and it's a, it's a noble area where it comes from. But often with law and guidance, they can be used for good and for ill. So he wanted that overturned. That you cannot use that non-crime hate incidents should not be mm. part of police practice, which he's absolutely right about, and they shouldn't. And his courage to do that, when he could have just walked away, having been told by the, uh, when he had the original court case, that his, he wasn't, his conduct wasn't hateful, or even in the foothills of hatred. Mm. But he thought, no, I'm going to do this as a service to my fellow man and woman. And um, so, yeah, I went down with him yesterday and, and I had a chat with him. But it's a huge amount of weight to take on your shoulder to protect our right mm. to have a thought in our heads. Mm. This is where we're at culturally. This is, this is not the, the, the remit of the police. So, as uh, I, you know, I'm steadfast in the fact that we, you, you work for us. In the same way as the National Health Service, I hate to say as well. You work for us. We pay your wages. That's what happens. Mm. This is the, the, you aren't the sacred cow. You're, you're public servants, and we are extremely grateful for how you do it. We need to remove the politics from all of this stuff. You know, otherwise you end up in very dangerous situations that we've ended up now, which is protect the NHS, everyone bribed to stay at home at the cost of over a billion pounds a day. Yeah. And that's insane yeah. to me. With the police, though, I mean, you, you, you mentioned there, some people watching might not be aware, non-crime hate incidents. Mm. This is where basically there's been no crime, but people are still registered for something they've said, mm. right? It's all very subjective, isn't it? Mm. And then, worst of all, this stays on their records. For six years. So you, and an enhanced DBS check will pick it up. So you could essentially lose a job because you offended somebody at some point. So they can go on True Vision, which is, oh, I shouldn't advertise it actually, but you can, you can go on and you can report someone. And it, it, ultimately the, the remit is so broad that it doesn't even need to be be hurtful or hate. Yeah. It can be anything. Just lodging a complaint. I've been through it. It's it's appalling. Subjective legislation is appalling. Who decides about what hate is? Who who gets to choose? Yeah. Is there? We're entering this period of of a sense of of a division in society where there are those that are morally authoritative and they look down on the rest of us. Mm. Yeah, it did happen with Brexit as well. When they look down and go, you oiks don't understand. We know what's best, and it's it's a sort of it's a moral supremacy ultimately, and that's that's wrong. It's it's not we're, we're equal. We need to be equal under the law, not different under subjective laws. So we've done the reclaim party is actually commissioned really with some with very eminent people now. It's going to be an excellent piece of work, a full review into the any law surrounding the impingement and freedom of speech, really, and inequality under mm. the law. And I, I don't. I think we're in a free, fair, and Western, free, fair, Western democracy. You should count on being equal under the law. And of course, there are going to be vagaries, and people are going to point out whether these things aren't always working. But fundamentally, we have to start from the principle of objectively under the law, tried by a jury of your peers. All of this stuff. Not I felt offended, therefore you've committed a crime. Yeah. It's the height of narcissism, and it sort of feels like end of empire yeah. land. It is Megan. Yeah. It. Yeah. She. She. she it, it, epitomizes she's like the queen bee of this stuff mm. 
of of what the what the woke religion is. It's mm. sort of self appointed discipleship and messiah status. Mm. The more victimized and the more oppressed you are, the more you can sneer down at other people. Whereas actually you want to be encouraging people to take responsibility for themselves. And once you've taken responsibility for yourself, you can take responsibility for someone else, your family first and foremost, and then your friendships. That's how society becomes more cohesive. Yeah. Dividing us is exactly the wrong answer. But with the police, they are sort of you know, like on the sharp end in the sense that they're enforcing this sort of stuff, aren't they? Uh, they do appear recently to have taken, I mean, or should we say, uh, interpreted the law very widely. I mean, and not in London, but we saw that outside Asda where they were, there was some big, uh, it's an offence to cause offence. Do you remember this was some big, yeah. I think, where was that in Liverpool, I think it was? I'm not sure where it was, but it was outside. They apologised though, didn't they? Yes. So it's good that we are policing them. We shouldn't have to, no. but it's good that we're pointing out the the where, where they're going, where they've got mission creep into somewhere else. You know, at the end of the day, you don't want to allow you, a police force needs to work in conjunction with the citizenry. It doesn't need to once you've given them power. But this again was comes down to the whole point of why I do this in the first place, which is freedom of speech. So we didn't have the other half of the debate. I think Melanie Phillips was having a pop at me this morning in the Times about this, saying, you know, I'm so libertarian that I don't understand the difference between restrictions being required. I'm saying, no, I, there are restrictions here. But what happened was a, a debate was immediately silenced. So an entire half of it, our lockdown is a good idea. And we also do need to have that debate. It's very important. I've also commissioned another piece of work, which I'm very pleased about in terms of that. We have to know, did the lockdown modelers predict that we would have, in spite of the most st uh, strict and severe lockdown measures on earth, some of, the, some of them, that we'd also have the most deaths. Mm. At what point did that work in to it? Mm, yeah. You know, let, let's have the conversation. Let's listen to the Sinitra Guptas as well as listening to the Dr. Hillary or whatever his name is on Good Morning Britain um, spewing fear into everybody's heart. Mm. You, you cannot have any form. Government cannot, if public discourse is so narrow that it hinges on, on such a narrow set of views, then it's just going to tip over. You'll have a very broad discussion. And from that discussion, you will come out with the right answers. And I think ultimately, when we look back, we'll be looking at Florida and we'll be looking at Sweden and we'll now be looking at Texas and all of these places that love freedom, who want to open up and get people back to work. And that is the most important thing. It's not life if you're not living it. With London, I mean, you, you obviously you've given us an idea, and I don't, you know, you, I, I don't, I'm not asking you to spill all the contents of your policies coming up, and I, you wouldn't anyway, I know. But um, with that, you know, this is obviously going to be the big question. Uh, one of the big questions in this campaign is going to be how the hell do we get London going again? Um, I think you've more or less said it's got to be opened up completely, isn't that right? As of like now? Uh, well, I think absolutely. As of we've had every and every single one of our freedoms returned to us without any negotiation. The problem with the government and why I don't trust them is you just had to see Grant Shapps this morning. Yes, he was yes. saying to Julia Hartley Brewer, you cannot, once you give someone power, it's very difficult to ask for it back, let alone get it back. You, we're going to have to wrench it back. Um, not in a non-violent way, obviously. What was he saying, actually? He was saying, I, I will see, he said in... Uh, when the when this final this third pointless in my view lockdown took place, uh, he said, "If it's not if we're not up and running once we've vaccinated the top four most vulnerable categories, then I'll be on the barricades with you, Julia." Mm. And um, she pointed that out to him, and he started going, "Well, we have returned some of your freedoms, and in five weeks' time, we'll return some more of your freedoms." And it's like, "Excuse me, mm. 
grant, you also work for us. They're not your freedoms to give us back. They're our freedoms. Um, so I, I've got a very simple um, strategy for this, you know, and I think in, in life, whether, you know, whatever happens in life, public opinion can be turned if someone is willing to stand up and get punched in the face for it, which has always been my position in terms of why I've repurposed myself into politics because I felt I had to. So um, I've got I've got a view on this, which um, I, it will come out at the end of this week, actually. And it's pretty straightforward. And, you know, I think we, we've got to say to the government, it's time now. You've got cr- you've got crashing um, death figures, crashing cases, or they call them cases, positive tests, and um, we we have to get back to living. Because we, when you last ca- came on, actually, we were in the middle of uh, well, it's lockdown, uh, actually, and and things in in London. I mean, I don't mean to be to people watching, you know, endlessly obsessing about London. We are talking about the mayoralty of London, so, but. It seems to be a bit of a particular case in that you've got central London, which I look around, look at it, and I sort of think, this cannot be anything other than permanent damage. When, when, I, when I walked down, you know, central in West End yesterday, nothing open, I just thought, how is this going to be resurrected? I mean, not just, you know, boosted, resurrected. Hope, optimism, Hope. getting people back to work. And making it as easy as humanly possible for them get to get back to work as well, which is what my view is. Mm-hmm. It's like, how can I remove as many restrictions between you leaving your front door and going and making the life that you want for yourself? Mm-hmm. That's all I think about when it comes to London. Mm-hmm. And it's the only thing I think about nationally. Mm-hmm. You know, and it is going to be a shock. We did more polling around London and found that, you know, people are thinking, 75% of people think that this is going to be huge damage to all of mm-hmm. small and medium-sized businesses. We know that there's going to be chronic damage to these things. And what's happened is we've just made the state larger Mm. as well which is not a good thing no one wants a bigger state well i certainly don't want a bigger state the state's perfectly big enough thanks very much mm. so we we need to put put the money back in people's pockets mm. get them out there and tell them that there is a future there's optimism and there's hope and and th- this terrible pandering that they're already trying to seed this idea that we're heading into lockdown again with yes. they, they were yesterday chris Whitty was doing it yesterday i mean you're sat behind a computer on full pay you have no idea what it's like so, you know, people, someone was saying to me the other day, but you're an elite, you're part of the London elite. And I said, no, I'm not part of the London elite. I want people out there working. Mm. You're part of the elite because you're sat there on Prosecco, not you, but the, the people, you're sat there drinking Prosecco on Zoom all day. Mm. And that, you know, well, people are really suffering. This is actually, a, I think, uh, it's a big point. Um, people say, oh, well, actually, I've been, I've rather liked working at home. And, and I can understand that, you know, um, but... It's almost like to hell with the rest of you, you know, yeah. to the to all the businesses. Obviously, you know, you you were an actor. You were, would you still call yourself an actor? By the way, I, I, I <laughs> you know what's really weird is I've started to find actors quite annoying. Oh, really, really. I feel really bad about it, but it's only because. But I okay. understand actors because there's a sense of powerlessness about it, and yeah, you, yeah, you know, yeah. and also look at art at the moment. It's it's really sad. I was looking watching um, Winston Marshall this morning, having you know being bullied by his sort of cry-bully woke bandmates into apologising for saying Andy knows, for saying Andy knows was a brave man for writing a book. Mm. And it's like, this is the arts, you know? Mm. 
so you know i i'm really really happy i'm not in in the arts anymore i might politics is rock and roll mm. politics is is the counterculture mm. it's where th- people can be and can really talk about the the world they live in the arts is just if you don't agree with me chum you're cancelled i think it's actually it's it's ironic, isn't it? That mm. it, the very thing that's meant to be the beacon of freedom of speech, as you say, and edgy and provocative, has become the least of those things. Like comedy, too. Where are yes, the comedians? Comedy, yes. But you see, when you look at London and you look at the West End and Toffby Avenue and two up, big opera houses, goodness, how many concert halls and everything. This is whatever they're performing for a moment, because that is a separate issue. Uh, whatever they're doing. How, how, Lawrence, I mean, how do you see that coming back? Uh, how would that work? I mean, you know, if, if you go, if you want to take all restrictions off, does that mean that, say, like in theatres and things, people should be able to just go in and just sit as they always have, for example? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What are you going to do? Sit with a pyrex screen well, between you? Well, there's mask and... thing and everything, isn't there? No. Well, you know, the mask thing for me is, it, I I'm not hugely popular with my view on masks but i can understand if you if you've got one of the big what are they called the p45s they're not called p45s they're like p90s <laughs> or something you know and you're really into it but mm. chucking on a dirty disease-ridden thing and then throwing it in your pocket throwing it on a table these things there seems to be it seems to be much more about the performative aspect of obedience and it's sort of saying to it's a sort of pointless way of saying to your fellow citizen i care about you but, and, you know, obviously, if you're going to sneeze, but you see so many people walking around London who take their mask off, then cough, and then put their mask yeah, back yeah, on. Yeah. It's a sort of madness. So I see them. I'm a bit... I do have a... Uh, I do have a slightly strong view on them. But again, what I'm trying to say is my view is incidental mm. to my standing for anything mm. because of what I stand for and what the Reclaim Party stands for. It's all about the freedom of speech and the broadest debate possible. So what I think... I'm happy for someone to come and give me a to to give me a more succinct and subtle, possibly follow the science view on the efficacy of face masks. But so far, I'm starting to think the face masks seem to be a ritual that we're performing for each other, and um, rather than one that's very extremely effective, mm-hmm. you know. With the free speech, that is, you know. The reason that's what started your political career, isn't it? Actually, it was that the incident where basically they piled in on you because of a, a question time appearance. We all know about that. Um, that, in a way, is what people would be voting for, is it not? Would you? Is it basically you are pro free speech and against this whole kind of cancel culture? I, I, I'm not trying to simplify, but that is what people surely will, when they recognise you in the street and things like that, that's what they are recognising, isn't it? Yeah, well, it, it, the great thing is that if you think about this as an idea, as freedom of speech, an idea which some newspapers are now putting in parentheses, which I think is like, oh, it's edgy. It's like, no, it's really not edgy. It's why we don't kill each other. Yeah. It touches every aspect of our culture. So it touches statutes. It touches policing. It touches everything. So... I stand for the freedom of debate so that you can hear the whole side of the argument and you as the individual can make up your mind and you can vote accordingly and you can act accordingly. And that's what we're losing Mm -hmm. here because we're being asked to conform to an orthodoxy which we haven't had a say in. Mm -hmm. Under whose authority do you get to, is person of colour fine but coloured person is not? Mm -hmm. Who decided this one day? And why were we not involved in the conversation? Mm-hmm. And what? And you know, and uh, all, all around the, the language stuff, as you know, which is, bothers me hugely. This chest feeding and breastfeeding, and you've got a prime minister who's a trained classicist. 
Surely that's his main thing is the love of language. Why isn't he coming out and saying, now this rubbish has got to stop? Because it does. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, that's the point. I mean, the Tory party, who you're going to be up against, of course, uh, they they basically don't seem to, they're very reluctant. They've, they've done something. They've been a bit piecemeal, but they don't give out strong messages about this, do they? Well, we, we've kicked them into giving out a couple of strong messages, right. I've noticed. Okay. Especially when we announced the, the half the country are frightened to say what they feel. Mm. You know, so we, I go out and do the, do the work and find out, ask mm. the questions that people want to find out, and then just offer it to the people. It's like um, with all the work I've commissioned, if anyone said, well, do you want to add something to it yourself or do you want us to push it this way? I'm like, no, that's not why I've commissioned it. I've commissioned the most impartial work that I can get. So I would like you to be the... the the overseer of it, um, but they took, yeah, the Tories and immediately once we announced that said we're going to introduce a free speech champion without, and you think yeah that's not the smartest move in the world because that, mm. what 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 about how's that free speech champion going to look in an authoritarian left wing government? Mm, mm. Is that now your the head censor? Mm. It's like <laughs> what are you doing? You're mm. just I don't call them the Conservative Party anymore. I call them the party that get voted for most often party because <laughs> that's all they do. They're yeah, just an amoeba. Yeah, yeah. They just can suck in everything and when I thought about doing becoming a politician I was thinking you know flirting with the idea of going and talking to the Tories about it but I just thought I'm not sure what you stand for about anything mm. other than you want to be in control mm. and you want to keep Labour out which is actually a, a pretty good um, motivation based on what Labour are have become now mm. under Keir Starmer because you certainly wouldn't want him in charge of um opening an envelope in my view mm-hmm. but um i do think this type that, that there is an unrepresented well there is you know we've huge, shown it through huge. our polling there's a huge yeah. unrepresented silent minority majority who needs their who, who need to know it's okay to be and they tend to be the sort of quieter people that want to get on with their lives but they they need someone to stand for them how will you kind of get to them not given the quite practically speaking uh, with this campaign coming up, the election's actually on May the fifth, fifth isn't it? Yes, that should have sprung to my mind because that's when I'm standing down. But anyway, join us, Peter. <laughs> it's exact, no, uh, how will you actually physically get to them? Because this campaign is going to be a weird one, isn't it? I mm. mean, for a long time, people thought actually it wasn't even going to happen; that it would probably happen like they would delay it. So everyone was, oh, it's going to be delayed till October. And no, sure enough, they're having it. So you can't go out on the stump, can you? Exactly. Well, I think they're easing up the restrictions on campaigning a little bit but I don't think anyone would want their door knocked on by a total stranger nowadays so but that kind of I hate to say it but that sort of works for me in yes. a way doesn't it because yes. I don't have the the party machinery of the Tories and the Labour Party and the Lib Dems and the Greens to an, ex, to an extent to to motivate them to the base in that way but what I do have is a profile you know when I was considering running I spoke to a lot of people who I respect much more than I do in the in the areas of uh, that I'm interested in and we came to the conclusion as a collective that ultimately owing to the fact that I had the profile and I could keep the conversation going from outside the argument that they would come in with me to help um, surrogate the points that we were going to make I think uh, you know and we're there's an election spend cap so we will be using we'll be using that I've got my bus sorted oh have you got yeah. a battle bus open air one and I'll and I'll go to some high streets and I, and if someone wants to talk and come and have mm. a bit of thing and tell me what's going on with them mm. then that's that's what I'd love to do so I, I, I want to do some actually on the uh, some actual physical campaigning yes. but a lot of it will be um, will be air war and uh, yes air war uh, and just to be 
clear. It is you're standing for the mayoralty, but you're the you the reclaim is not standing any uh, people for the London Assembly as such, is it? Or, is it, or, or is that not decided yet? Or no, I'm not going to um, stand anyone for the Assembly. Mm. I think we we there are other people who want to stand for the Assembly. I think Reform want to stand on the Assembly, and I don't want to get out. I don't want to get in the way actually, mm. because ultimately we're all on the same side, whether we're in the, yeah. whether we're in the same party or not. We are on the same side. So um, no, I'm just going to stand on the assembly. I mean, who knows? These things, I would stand for mayalty. These things can change though. You never know. We could, um, we could find ourselves with a bit of fair wind and we'll see what we do. What adjustments have you had to make from your past life when we first met here, for example, which is a year and a half or so ago. What, what have you, have you changed? Have you felt yourself change as a person now that you've taken on this new mantle? Yeah, I feel I, there was a long period of feeling very sad about my acting career, which took a long time to get over because I thought I put a load, load of work into this and I, and I felt really sad that I was just being removed from it for not having the right view. But then, you know, uh, people that think that they've got the right view are being removed from their jobs on a daily basis nowadays. Um, and then I found myself much more interested. You know, I think I was saying to you before, the people I come across and the and the amazing connections I've had. I've met all my heroes in one way or another, right. pretty much in the last year and a half, and yeah. and had pretty overwhelmingly a pat on the back and a well done you. Um, so now, no, I just feel hopeful and optimistic, and I'm really pleased that someone is representing the side of the argument, which is life is good, guys. Yes, we make yes. we can make something of it. You can make something of it for your children, yeah. and I am. Um, I mean, the only bit that has been affected really is my kids. So I have to actually compartmentalise time to spend yeah. watching Modern Family with them or whatever we're watching at the moment. But they've, they've been very understanding. That's the only bit that I feel a bit like oh, I was quite like lying around waiting for six months and then yeah. going and sitting on a beach and someone paying me loads of money and bringing me bacon sandwiches. <laughs> but, you know, I had that for a long time. Yeah. Looking past the election, the, the London election, what are your general plans your strategy when it comes to the country i mean for reclaim mm. what are you just going to be the party going to be standing at elections as they come along or? well i feel i feel we should mm. at the moment i i really would like to obviously we just got to see where we are as well so you want to see where we are at the end of this mayoralty thing i think the world is changing on a dime as we go anyway but i i think there's a huge amount of uh, there's a huge number of people that just aren't represented politically. So I am also standing someone in Scotland in this, oh, okay. uh, in these elections, mm-hmm. uh, up against Hamza Youssef mm-hmm. in his constituency because... Um, this is the Justice Minister, isn't it, who's yeah. brought in this quite extraordinary possible mm-hmm. act on hate hate speech in the it's home. A, a, mm-hmm. Appalling, yeah. The way you get children to report on their own parents. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think I need to do that just to draw awareness in Scotland to, to say there's a freedom of speech crisis in your own country and um then moving forward yeah we will we finally i mean the the appalling difficulty of getting a bank account mm-hmm. as a political getting through the electoral commission you know these mm-hmm. things that should be procedural go mm-hmm. we've had to fight and fight and fight and fight and the electoral commission legally you know really and then um we now had to you know we just got a bank account for example a party bank account so and then you know i i don't really want to stick a donate button on it at the moment because i feel like i don't want to start asking people for anything until they've seen that the legwork that we we will put in mm. but you know give us a give us a run into the next election you know and we will 
I would really love to be out there. And I've identified a, a, a few people that I would like to stand, but I'm not one of these people that could just get 600 people to stand as candidates. I'm someone no. that goes, yeah. if you represent what I represent and what the Reclaim Party yeah. represents, we need to know each other pretty well. So I'm, I'm looking at building something which will take decades rather than, decades, yeah. you know, flashing the pan. What if people want to help you? In the short or the long term. So, in other words, for this, for the for the Emeraldy campaign, or indeed for what comes after, what can they actually do, Lawrence? I mean, for example, will you have people always ask these sort of questions? So they might seem like rather boring ones, but will there be constituency party? Will you, or will you have a like a? Will there be members of the party? What? How will it work? We're just deciding on the how the structure works, totally formally, long term. But what we, what I think, the best thing people can do is find people that they don't agree with and have difficult conversations mm. and try and do and try and do that in the spirit of brotherhood yeah. that's yeah. the best thing you can do and and let's just get that to to re-enshrine it mm. i suppose because it's been dragged out of its shrine and cast away and someone's having some sort of post-utopian mm. rave mm. on the altar of free speech and i won't i'm not gonna have it it's not right how do you feel about going, you know, like, uh, are you looking forward to maybe having some clashes with Sadiq Khan? <laughs> How much would you pay? I mean, you get to do it all the time. You're fantastic at it. There's nothing I would like more than to debate Sadiq Khan. Mm -hmm. Nothing. I, I would pay to debate Sadiq Khan. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I, again, I, I mean, is there anything in, in it for Sadiq to debate me? So you'd actually, we, it's one of the reasons why we all need to get vote, make sure we can get laws up the polls yes. so that there is a chance that I can ask Sadiq Khan some of the interesting questions. Yes. Like, should we rip Queen Victoria's statue out from in front of Buckingham Palace? Mm -hmm. Shouldn't that go? She's the epitome of empire. Shouldn't that go, Sadiq? Do you, do you love Queen Victoria's statue? Do you think it should belong there? Mm -hmm. What about Albert? Should he go too? Mm -hmm. Where would you stop, Sadiq? with the statues honestly you know as as and do you love great britain city mm. are you proud of your nation do you do you uh, you know just yes, yes. i just want to know yes. because uh, whenever you try and ask him he goes well the member is um he's just so evasive mm. you know wouldn't it be great to have a capital city uh, boris for all of his um wishy-washy flippy floppiness mm. he really was pro-london mm. and we were optimistic mm. And, you know, the Olympics were central to that, wasn't it? Mm. So we're putting together something that we get, we would like to put centrally at what, what a mayoralty would look like and so people can get behind it. Oh, I see. Sort of like a, maybe an event? Or? Mm. Oh, okay. I feel you're not going to tell me. About I can't. It's no, annoying. No, no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very, very much for coming on and, and talking about it. I mean, and, uh, you know, I, I'm sure we're going to get a lot of people coming and saying afterwards, you know, all the very best. Um, and, uh, well, maybe uh, when May the Fifth has come and gone, you know, we can dissect it all with you. It'd be great. <laughs> yeah. But uh, all the very best luck as well. Okay, thank you. Um, that's it for So What You're Saying Is, and uh, we will see you next time. Thank you very much.